Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. I'm excited, church, to say, hey, let's get back to our current sermon series. We took a little break for Father's Day, and we are in week three of Bridge Builders. And if you're listening to us via podcast, we want to let you know that we pray and hope this message would help you take your next step closer to Jesus. So remember where we've, where we've been in these last few weeks We've talked about using the Bible as our blueprint and opening our spiritual toolbox to see what we have in there are actually the right tools. And you can really find those tools in in Galatians, right? Chapter 5, around verse 22. And now we're looking to the next step in this process about rebuilding, especially those relationships that are strained. And who doesn't know, if you don't know, you will soon know, that some of the most painful, strained relationships can be with family. And I heard an amen or two on that one. And, And it's tough because sometimes, well, let's say it, right, all you siblings, it's always their fault. Right, as the brother or sister would always say, and then they in turn would say, No, it's always their fault. And then mom and dad have to come in and just they stop fighting. I don't care whose fault it is. But the truth is, is if we don't pay attention, those strained relationships become distant and distant for a really long time. And I'm not talking just a month or two, how about decades? How about a lifetime? I'm not going to the wedding because they might be there. I'm not going to the reunion. I'm not coming for Thanksgiving. There's no way we're going to go to the park for 4th of July. All because we don't even remember why we're fighting today. And if we're real honest, it sounds silly now, but it really didn't way back when. So what do we need? Maybe it's time to say, Lord, can you show me how to be a bridge builder? Because it's expensive and painful to be separated from family. Whether it's a sibling, whether it's a parent, it's really painful. In the scriptures, there's lots of stories about family conflicts throughout the Old and the New Testament. I mean, you guys could probably yell them out to me. But, I mean, think about, you know, Joseph, the coat of many many colors, and all of his brothers. They all unanimously all hated one brother because he got daddy's favor. I'm telling you, dads and moms, don't favor a child. Why? All the other kids know. If you only have one, spoil them rotten. Go at it. I don't care. But you better be careful. Showing favoritism is not how God works, and neither should we. But you'll see other ones, whether it's like we, what we talked about in, in last week's uh, message on Father's Day. We talked about in Luke 15 that there was this, these two brothers and this dad, and all of a sudden he says, the younger brother goes, hey, I want all my, my, my inheritance now. And then he took off to Jerusalem, Vegas to go wild living. 
and used it all up and wasted it on, on living wildly and ended up as a Jew. By the way, Jews don't eat pig. They don't like pork, right? I mean, we love bacon, right? Put anything on bacon, even on ice cream. We like it. But all of a sudden, there he is with no money, lost his inheritance. By the way, the older son gets two-thirds, and the younger son gets one-third of the inheritance. So he had one-third of the inheritance, wasted it all, and now he's in a pit feeding pigs. The Bible says he was willing to eat the pods. That means the food that was being fed to the pigs, he wanted to eat. Then he came to his senses. Did you catch that? Jesus says, then he came to his, he woke up. He came to his right mind and says, I got to go home. Maybe dad will just let me, if I can just reconcile enough to just be a servant, at least I'll have food. And so we know the story. We know that he comes home. We know that the father takes care of him. We know that there's a party. He gives him clothes and shoes and rings and all that stuff. But the older brother, the older brother, the older brother went off. What are you doing, Dad? Why are you showing him favoritism? He ruined our family name. This son of yours. Hey, ain't he your brother? This son of yours. What is he, a stepson to you? And then Dad says, no, this brother of yours was dead. He's alive. We must celebrate. Well, there's a lot of stories out there, and another one that I really want to focus on today with family conflict is the first recorded story of sibling rivalry, and that is a guy named Cain, the older brother, and the younger one named Abel. So why don't you go with me to Genesis chapter 4, and we're going to look at this as I read it out loud. Now Adam had sexual relations with his wife, Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, With the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Verse 2. Later she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd, while Cain cultivated the ground. So one is a shepherd, and the other one is a farmer. Now, you got to understand, back in the day, they didn't have John Deere's, okay? They didn't have technology and tractors and all that kind of stuff. They had themselves. They didn't have the state-of-the-art tools. So I'm thinking pretty logically here, I think, that being a shepherd would have been a lot easier than having to pull the weeds and work the ground to produce some fruit. So you can probably better understand when we get up here why he's a little upset that God didn't take the fruit of his labor because he works harder, right? How many would be able to do that with your own? I did this and you did that for them. All right, can you see how this could already, that attitude could already build up? So here, let's go back here, verse 3 now. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of, the, of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. 
The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. See, there's an understanding that Abel knows that a sacrifice unto the Lord, an offering unto the Lord, required there to be the sacrifice with blood. Abel was aware of this, and he was trying to change the rules and say, I'll offer you what I want to. And God says, no, son, you're out of line. I'm not receiving that. We're not changing the rules. And if you do what's right, you'll have my favor and blessing as well. So let's go back and see where where the Lord says this. Why do you look so dejected? Verse 7, you will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door waiting, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out to the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Now, what's going on here? The problem was between Abel and his loving father, his heavenly father, God. But he's upset that this one gets the father's favor and blessing and acknowledgement. So now it turns into anger and jealousy. And he directs all this anger at God, at his brother if you weren't a goody two-shoes you're always the spoiled little brat i've had it with you if you weren't around there would have been no problem with my offering can you imagine how these things start rolling inside your mind and in your heart abel didn't have anything to do with anything between him cain and god verse 9 Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where's your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian, my brother's keeper? But the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. See, literally, the blood of his brother Abel, it it, it literally went into the ground, and the ground was crying up. It was saying, oh no. Why? Because it had never seen, encountered innocent blood of a human on itself. It cried out because it was made in the image of God. The earth, it was crying out. And God heard His creation crying out. Verse 11, Now you are cursed and banished from the ground, which has swallowed your brother's blood. 
No longer will the ground yield good crops for you, no matter how hard you work. From now on, you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. There's so much more of the story, and I'll encourage you to read that. He now begins to complain. Cain begins to complain and say, this is too much for me. And he says, I'm going to put a mark on you. And some people, some theologians say, well, what's that mark? Did they put something on his face or whatever? Some said, no, they changed the color. You know, maybe he became an albino or, or maybe he became black. They make up all these things. The truth is, we don't know. But it was clear that everybody around would realize that dude is different in an extreme way. Staying away from that. Okay? So it's very important to understand, do you ever catch Cain saying sorry? He doesn't. That's exactly right, Dave. He doesn't repent. He doesn't confess. As a matter of fact, he doubled downs, kind of like politicians today. They double down where they've gotten caught, blatantly caught. And then they point the finger at you. Or they say, am I my brother's keeper? And they get rude. That's a spirit. That's a spirit that comes from the pit of hell. It's interesting to see that there are many parallels between the two stories of two brothers. One of the prodigal son and the older brother, and the other one of Cain and Abel. And I want you to see some of the parallels. One from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. So in both stories, God is obviously the loving Father watching over His children, even when they go astray. Another one is Cain and the older brother reveal that well, the only reason Cain and the older brother are in it is for themselves. And, and they're so frustrated with the father that they would violate their own sense of what's right and wrong. They say, I am the arbiter of right and wrong. I'm the one who knows what's really going on here. You look at the prodigal. Your son who wasted all this money, he... Did it all on the wild living. And look how he treats the older brother Cain, how he is rude to God the Father. Do you see that? Why am I bringing all these things out? Because there's nothing new under the sun. Thousands of years between these two stories, and yet we're seeing parallels. What does that mean? We'll also see parallels today. Because we fight against the same kind of spirits. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in high places who are there from the beginning and in the middle and in the end. So Cain and the older brother both believed that the way they saw things was the only way to see things. Have you ever been caught with that? Have you ever believed you had it right and everybody else had it wrong? And then they have the audacity to pull out a phone and show you the video. You want to throw that phone across the way, don't you? I'm telling you. And then how about Cain and the older brother were upset that the favor of the father was going to the undeserving family member. To that, how dare you? 
I've always been good and righteous before you. I've worked so hard for you. You hear that? Ever get upset with God? I know nobody else has. I've done enough of it for all of you. Be careful. I'm not proud of being upset with the Lord. It's a shameful thing. It shows you your pride. You know, Cain and the older brother both believed that it was their siblings' fault that the favor of the father was on them. It's your fault. Look how wrong you are that I have to suffer today. Cain and the older brother both spoke with harshness, with rudeness, and disrespect to a caring, loving father who was reaching out to them. You see, when you look at the prodigal son, and he came home, and the party's happening, and the singing and the dancing, and the older brother won't go in, all of a sudden, what does the loving father do? He runs out to get to the older brother. What's going on? He's trying to reach him just like he was trying to reach the younger son. And then all of a sudden, the Lord comes out to Cain. He says, hey, where's your brother? What's he trying to do? He's trying to reach out. You don't think God knew what had happened already? He's trying to give him an opportunity to confess. I messed up. I don't know what I was thinking, Lord. I know it was my brother's fault, but I couldn't help myself. I was so mad at him. That didn't happen. What happened? Am I my brother's keeper? He's mad. And what was this one doing when the father came to reach out? This son of yours. Do you not see the same spirit? Be careful. What makes us special? That we can be protected from that spirit. Neither one of these brothers were willing to offer to build a bridge between the father themselves or to their brother. None of them. They were willing to live on an island all by themselves. Well, the prodigal son, we don't know. The story's left open-ended. We don't know how it ends there. It's true that we can learn from those who've gone before us and have done right. And we go, that's, that's how you learn to do it. I, I've coached sports a lot of years, and it's really great to have something where you can show the kids how to grip the bat or, or how to grab the football, and you show them the proper way of doing it. You want to also know how you can really coach an athlete? Show them exactly how not to do something. And sometimes you go, look, I keep telling you you're moving your back foot. No, I'm not. And you're, you're standing on one leg when you're swinging. You're like, like this. There's no power there. And they don't believe you. I had an athlete just this last year. It was the same thing. And I actually said, watch. And I pulled out my phone. I took a video. And he swung a few times at the tee. And he looks at it. And he goes, I'm lifting up my back foot. 
I know I was lying to you. I'm a pastor kid. So he had to go to his batting coach. I mean, kids got batting coaches today, right? And he took and went to that guy, and the guy goes, I've known about that. Why didn't you tell me? He goes, I did. You just didn't listen to me. You see, we can learn from how we do it wrong or how other people do it wrong. There's two coaches. One will show you wisdom. If I ran into the wall and I hit the wall with my nose, my nose is going to bleed, I'm going to go, wisdom says don't run into the wall with my nose. Or I say, Bob, back up and run as hard as you can in that wall. Let your nose bleed. And I go, I'm not doing that. And I learned from Mr. Consequences class. But we can learn from the good and the bad. And in this case, we're learning from how two older brothers did it wrong. Both. One in the New Testament, one in the Old Testament. So in the passage of Cain and Abel, the prodigal son, the older brother, we see the foundation of conflict forming. The decision that Cain made led to turmoil, not only for himself, but also for his family. You say, what do you mean? Because of that, that knee-jerk, full of hatred-driven decision forced him out from where God had him to a desolate place. And who had to go with him? His wife and his children. You see, when we make bad choices like that, it doesn't just affect us. It's not done privately, isolated, within just us, ourselves. I mess up, it's not me, myself, and I. It's my family. It's my community of family and friends. It goes beyond me. And that's why God says, build a bridge. Why? Too many people get impacted by this. Stop being selfish. But I was wrong. Yes, you were. And so was Jesus. And yet he built a bridge. A bridge of salvation. If on this side represents Marvin's sins, there's a chasm right here, and over here is paradise, the presence of God, a place called heaven. And I can't get from here full of sin over there because of the chasm. I need to get a bridge that goes from here to there. And the only way I could get there is a bridge that was created by the one who was innocent on a cross. And I walk upon His bridge. And He didn't have to do it. I'm the one that sinned. So did you. So did everyone. There's a story I want to share. It's a story about Charles Spurgeon and a pastor by the name of Joseph Parker. And both these guys had churches in London in the 19th century, so that's the 1800s. On one occasion, Pastor Parker commented on the poor condition of the children admitted to Charles Spurgeon's orphanage. There's nothing wrong with that. He just noticed the condition of the children going to the orphanage were in really bad shape. 
somehow that got twisted. And by the time it got to Charles Spurgeon, it said something completely different. It was reported to, Spur- to Charles, however, that Parker had criticized the orphanage itself and not the condition of the children who were just coming to the orphanage for the first time. So Charles Spurgeon came to his pulpit and there he blasted Pastor Parker from the pulpit. The attack was actually printed in the newspaper and became the talk of the town. Did you notice that things are not necessarily private, isolated, individual just for you? That sometimes if you don't handle it right, that conflict, it will go from me to anything and everything I touch. And that's what happened here. So the people flocked to Pastor Parker's church the next Sunday, of course. Big crowd. All because they wanted to hear what Parker's rebuttal would be against Charles Spurgeon. And this is what he says, and I quote, I understand Dr. Spurgeon is not in his pulpit today. And this is the Sunday they use to take an offering for the, for, for the orphanage. I suggest we take a love offering here instead for the orphanage. The crowd was delighted. The ushers had to empty the collection plates three times to gather in the offering. Later that week, there was a knock at Pastor Parker's office, his study. It was Charles Spurgeon. The doctor came in and sat down. And this is what he says, You know, Parker, you have practiced grace on me. You have given me not what I deserved. You have given me what I needed. What an incredible man who was willing to build a bridge. Here's another, this story is just another powerful story of action, of building a bridge. Parker could have easily furthered the divide by caving into the cultural pressures around him and, and said something ugly and rude and mean. But he went above and beyond. And in the words of Charles Spurgeon, you've given me not what I deserved, but you've given me what I needed. Like Spurgeon, his decision to attack Parker became the entire town's problem. Spurgeon could have chosen differently in how to use his pulpit against Parker. See, in Matthew 18, 15, it's not in your notes. All he had to do is if you have a problem with somebody, you go to them one-on-one in private and just deal with it. And he would have found out that somebody said to him, was twisted and mutilated and thrown in a blender, and it wasn't accurate to what the original statement was. But because it triggered 
a frustration in his heart. He took the bait like the monkey in the trap. And he abused the gift, the gift of the pulpit. How many know we do the same thing with the pulpits in our own life? To our own family and friends? If we're not careful, we'll be like Spurgeon. So maybe like Charles Spurgeon, maybe you too have a regret today. Truth is, is we're all a little bit like Cain or a little bit like the prodigal son and the older brother. Why? Because it says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. I can look you all in the face and say, you're all sinners. And you all look at me and go, and you're one too. And we're all saved by grace. We don't need to be, you sinner. What are we doing? We're pulling out a shovel and just digging a bigger chasm, a bigger divide between us. Instead, can we build a bridge? Could we take an offering of some sort? An olive branch? But they don't deserve it. Well, neither do I, and be honest, neither do you. But when we build bridges, we build unity. And there is power in unity. And time doesn't steal from your family when you build bridges. So with that verse of we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, with that in mind, let, let's take a closer look at these two stories again. See, because in the story of Cain and Abel, Cain does not repent. Cain does not attempt to listen to his loving Heavenly Father. Listen to the instructions. If you do what's right, Cain, you'll have the favor, you'll have the blessing. And Cain and his family are in the end are cast out. Far away, separated from the love of the Father and from family. All because of Cain's hate-filled, knee-jerk decision. Now in the story of the prodigal son, the rebellious son who is feeding the pigs, he comes to his senses and decides to return to the Father to admit his wrong, to confess his sin, and just hoping he'll be made a servant or a slave. But instead, he's restored. He's given the coat, I mean, the, the clothes, the ring, the sandals, and a party is thrown for celebration. For what? For coming back. For coming back. But then there's... In that same story of the prodigal, the older brother. So he's so much like Cain. He's angry at his brother. He's angry at the loving father. He's convinced he's right and everybody else is wrong. He's rude. He's disrespectful. And the loving father who reaches out to this son as well as the other one says, all I have is yours. 
Your brother was dead, but he's alive. We have to celebrate. Come, be a part of this. And yet, the ending of the story is not known. Jesus leaves it unknown. Why? Well, the truth is there's three parables in Luke 15. I shared this last week, but I'll say it again. There's three parables. There's the parable of the 99 sheep that he, the shepherd leaves to find the one because he had 100. Then there was the woman who had a headdress. It's her wedding headdress like a woman's wedding ring today. And on there, they would have 10 little coins. She lost one of the 10 coins. That'd be like a lady losing a big diamond out of her ring. She's going to find that diamond. And she did. So we go from 100, 99 to 1, from the 10, 9 to the 1. And now we go to the third parable, which is 1 to 1. There's two sons, 1 to 1. But why is he making these stories? Because he's eating a meal with a pagan sinner. And the religious people, the church folk, doesn't he know who he's eating with? This Jesus supposed to be a rabbi? He's eating with the sinners. He should know this. And yet, in this picture of the older brother, he's showing that the Pharisee, the, the religious leader, you are the older brother. You're the one who says, I know all the laws of Moses. I know the Levitical laws, all 613. I know all this stuff. I'm a righteous person. And you should be blessing me. You should be wanting to eat with me and not him. And what does he say? I'm not going to finish the story. Because I'm going to let you, Pharisee, religious leader, if you have a religious spirit, if you think you're more than that, you're like one of those guys. The question is, how are you going to let the story end? Are you going to forgive? Are you going to confess your own sin? Are you going to say, Lord, I'm sorry? Like the prodigal? Or are you going to be like Cain and just complain, complain, complain and never, ever repent and see what's wrong with you? Hallelujah. Let the music begin. Bridge building is not for the faint of heart. It's no easy thing or a simple task to do. It messes with us. When a sibling or a parent, they, they hurt us, they take advantage of us, they misuse us, we've been mistreated, we've been falsely accused. And then the pastor has the audacity to walk right up to me and say, you need to stop and change your attitude. You need to forget. Am I crazy? Did you not see what they did? And I think what the Lord's saying is, don't you see what they did? They lied about me. They hung me up there naked. I, I had a legion of angels on standby. I could have stopped it at any point. Why didn't you? Because I was building a bridge. 
I wanted the family home. They could never come home unless somebody went to the cross. And that somebody had to be Jesus. And he's saying, can't you be like that? I got siblings. I got lots of them. I'm adopted. I got some on that are half-brothers, sisters on this side. I found out I have one from my, my biological sister. I didn't even know until a year ago. And then I have the ones that I grew up. I got lots of them. Tell you what, the more you have, the more you can get hurt. And the more you can hurt too. It's not easy. It's not easy when mom and dad hurt you. It's not easy when family hurts you. This is how it's done. Build a bridge just like Christ. And as you do that, guess what happens? It's worth it. Joy unthinkable. You get that brother, that sister back. You get those holidays back. You get to have this incredible thing. And you know what? When you build the bridge first, and then you see them, you don't feel awkward. Why? Because you just love them beyond the stupidness of the whole thing. When you hold on, you're like, you know, the coconut with the hand, the monkey in there, and you look really silly. When your hand's in the monkey trap, holding on to the fruit or to the nuts or to the candy or the orange slices, whatever it might be, and you make a fist just like you're making a fist at God. And all you got to do, just let, they always say that, don't they? Just let go. But the truth is, is if I let go, my hand will slide out of the hole of the monkey trap and I'll be free. When I let go from my heart, that which they did to offend and hurt me and devastate me and it, and it took a lot from me. When I let go, when I let go, I'm free from that and I'm open to the blessings of God. And just like my negativity in my life will affect all my family and all those close to me, my freedom in Christ affects all my family as well. It will be a blessing on them as well. Blessing and cursing. And the Lord says, I set before you. You choose. And the Lord actually says, choose life. Choose the blessing. I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Being a bridge builder in our culture is hard work. It takes a lot of intentionality. A lot of willingness to just grit and grace and to say I'm letting go I'm not throwing this in your face anymore I'm not telling other people about this anymore and I'm not going to meditate on this anymore I'm letting go and I'm going to build a bridge what's that bridge look like hey you want to go get coffee who's this on the phone who's that that just texted me Hey, we're, we're, we're throwing a party for so-and-so. I want to know if you'd be able to come. You and the family and the wife. What? Break the ice. Build a bridge. Take the first step. See, with Jesus as our example, 
or inspiration, we can be confident. We can be full of faith to build a bridge. Building a bridge is the way of Jesus. It's the way of kingdom mentality. And God will always bless you for that. I'm going to ask the uh, prayer team, the altar team, to come on up. And I ask if you wouldn't bow your heads and close your eyes. As maybe you're here today, and, and folks, maybe there's something difficult. Maybe it's with a sibling. Maybe it's with a child. Maybe it's with a spouse. Maybe it's with mom or a dad. Whatever it might be, I'm going to ask the question, are you ready to build a bridge? Are you willing to let go, even though maybe you did nothing wrong, but you're willing to say, enough. I don't want this in my heart. I don't want this in my life. I want this to stop. It, it only, not only impacts me, but it impacts everybody around me who I love. And I want this just to stop. It doesn't mean they were right. It means you're no longer going to be a part of that which was stealing from you because of the wrong that was done to you. If that's you and you're just saying, I want to be a bridge builder to my family, to my friends. If that's you, would you look up? Would you raise a hand? Praise God. Praise God. Amen. 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 So Lord, I just pray for everybody who's responding to this message. Lord, that You would clearly show them that You're ready to celebrate because we confess something's not right in us. We've been done wrong, but we want to build a bridge. And for whatever we've been wrong in, Lord, in this process, even before, in the middle, or after, whatever we've been wrong, whether in our hearts or mind, wherever we've been wrong, Lord, we ask for forgiveness. Lord, help us to do those three prayers. Not to remind that other person of how they did us wrong or how they hurt us. And Father, not to go tell other people and be a gossip and not to meditate on how we were done wrong, but to build a bridge like Jesus did, even if it means that it costs us and we sacrifice. Because in the end, Lord, Your family wins. Your kingdom wins. And You will bless everybody in the family including ourselves. And we just ask Your will, Your way in Jesus' holy name. And will you say with me, church? Amen. Amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church.com or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.